My guest for this episode is Dust Biters, ARA Dirty Rock Quartet from here in Chicago, uh, who mix in a bunch of other interesting influences to their sound. We'll get to explore some of that tonight with some of the music. The first thing we just heard was called Pray For Me. It was a single that dropped today. It's off their upcoming full-length release, Guilt. Um, and uh, we'll be featuring another track later on in the episode that also uh, released as a uh, sort of a B-side with this. And uh, they have a bunch of stuff going on. Um, they just dropped a new video and uh, they're gearing up for their uh, first big tour with the group and a few other cool things that are going to be happening over the weekend here um, in anticipation for the build up for the release of Guilt. Um, but for right now, we have Nick Kinsley, the vocalist and rhythm guitar player, Nick Miller, their lead guitarist, Brian Fonzica, their bassist, and Tommy Van Arsdale, their drummer, um, here with me. And uh, we're just going to get to know the band a bit better and explore some of their sound. So, like, talk about, like, your origin story. How did Dust Biters come together? Yeah, so uh, so Dust Biters started with, um, again, uh, Nick and I... Me, me, Nick, me, Nick, singer, Nick, other Nick, guitar player, Nick. It's so confusing, right? So we, Nicks. we go way back. Um, I met Nick, I think I was like 17. I was still in high school and, you know, he played in probably one of the coolest local metal bands, like in the West Michigan. So it was kind of a pretty cool thing for me to be able to jam with him. And yeah, I mean, I could be, I mean, I played, but I couldn't play like him. So uh, that was the start of him and I, and then, you know, fast forward, I'm in Chicago, Nick's in Pittsburgh. I stopped playing music for, I mean, honestly, I probably stopped playing for like 10 years or so. It was just, I, I focused on like, you know, I cut hair for a living. I own a barbershop in Chicago. It was just like something that I, I just gave up. So Nick moved to Chicago and was like, we should jam sometime. I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And went to his apartment and messed around. And we wrote one riff that's going to be on our album, Unholy Gospel. And we realized how great we worked together writing. It was just, it was like we picked right back up from where we were. It was pretty fucking awesome. It was what I needed um, to get back into playing again. And that was kind of the start of it. We had no idea what direction or what we wanted to do. Our backgrounds are similar yet different. Like he went more, more technical metal, which I did a little bit of, but I, you know, I spent most of my time in punk and hardcore bands. That was like more my jam. Um, and, you know, from that point on, we just, we started just trying to mix what we did before. And him and I both grew up listening to, a lot of, you know, metal bands like, you know, Black Sabbath to like Motley Crue to all this stuff. We've always been huge, you know, 80s hair metal bands, but we knew like, you know, we don't want to play 80s hair metal, but how can we add these elements to some dirty shit? And that was pretty much it. We were both like, let's start a rock and roll band, whatever that means. Um, so that was the beginning of it. And I'm going to stop talking and hand it over to Nick. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, yeah, he kind of covered a lot of it. Um, yeah, the, the idea with the band was to try and write something that was simple and straightforward. I think we originally set out to write three three riffs per song, um, try to do something that was going to be a little bit more like just straight punk and rock and keep it real simple and then focus on marketing and internet. And of course, 
20 years of being a musician wouldn't allow me to write anything simple. So every time that we would get together and we'd start practicing, it, we would complicate the songs more and more. Um, we talked about trying to have a singer and try out singers. And then uh, Kinsley, which is the last name of Nick, might make it a little bit easier for us to differentiate the two. Um, sure. Volunteered to learn how to sing. So he busted his ass and used YouTube and the help of some of his buddies to learn how to sing. And I uh, tried to simplify my guitar playing a little bit. So that way I wasn't writing technical death metal to punk, punk beats. Um, <laughs> and we, we had written probably about two songs uh, just guitar wise. And I, uh, Tommy, our drummer, who was actually a colleague of mine, we worked together. Uh, he, we, have, we quickly became good friends over musical tastes. And I just asked him one day if he would go to, what was it, Music Garage? If he would like come just jam with us on drums because they had they usually have house kits that you can rent. And he joined up with us and quickly wrote drum parts to the songs. And me and, and Kinsley kind of looked at each other and was just like, yeah, this is fun. This is going really well. We should probably do this all the time now. And we, we I mean, because of COVID, a lot of bands were pulling out of their practice spaces. So a lot of practice spaces were opening up. So we jumped on the first opening that we could and started rehearsing um and then i can I'll, I'll hand it over to tommy so he can give a little bit of his perspective that's pretty much it yeah they had cool riffs i loved them and it was easy to come up with drum parts so they were um you know the two next like uh just came to me with some stuff that they want to um kind of like tool around and the way that Nick Miller presented that whole thing to me was a very casual um, like songwriting process where he was like, I would really like to hear what drums sound like on top of these riffs. And I was like, well, that's great because I'm, I'm not really trying to get involved in a new band or anything at the time. Uh, but yeah, they were fun enough that uh, I had a lot of fun writing on top of them and uh yeah, it just like became kind of like a party. Uh, yeah. Like the stuff that they presented to me was like a lot of uh, like a lot of kind of stuff that inspired um, like a good feeling and like some really positive energy. So I was kind of about that. Um, yeah. So like we started jamming like with that in mind and like no expectations. And um, I think it's like spawned kind of like creativity to finish those songs and to write some more songs. Yeah. And then like eventually uh, it just kind of became like a question of like, what do we like to hear? And then what, what would we want to hear like in music? Yeah. And we started writing some more songs like based around um, a combination of stuff that we had really like found interest in uh, recently with like some ideas that we had about um like uh thematic like 80s and 90s grunge and post-rock and prog metal and stuff that we had been listening to um and like thankfully we kind of all had like a venn diagram that was very similar you know which is very unique it took us a while to figure out like i think that was the interesting part is like how do we how do we add all these elements that we want to do together and it was it took a minute to figure out you know, like I remember we jammed before we had got Brian in the band, um, a different bass player. And he was like, this shit's great. But he's like, every song sounds like a different band. And that was a big moment. I was like, fuck, OK, we got to figure this out. And then at one at a moment of like these songs that we altered and changed, like it was like it's like we we figured out the sound that worked for us, you know. And I, I remember, too, when I was like, I guess I'll try to learn how to sing. You know, Nick and I were like, yeah, man, we'll do like party rock and roll. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sing about partying. And then I realized I was like, at that point, like I, hmm. you know, it's been two and a half years since I drank. I was right. a hot fucking mess. <laughs> I had a lot of emotions in me. And I we're saying like, about drinking coffee. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, I like coffee. It's real fucking good. So, yeah, it, it became like, oh, shit, like our yeah. party rock is having a lot of emotion in it because I had a. I had a lot to write about. I, you know, I went through a divorce. Um, oh yeah. I, got, yeah. I got three kids, you know, that are my entire fucking world. And I was trying to figure out how to do it on my own. And, you know, when I quit drinking, I realized how much of a piece of shit I was when I drank. So I had a lot to write about. 
Uh, so and a lot I was of like, catharsis then, right? Yeah. So it was like, oops, our band is has a lot of post party rock, party right. rock that has so much right. emotion to it that I feel yeah. like a lot of people can relate to. Sure. You know, whether it's dealing with addiction or dealing with a loss of somebody or, you know, wanting to be just a better person, you know, this whole album being called guilt, it, it is, that's what it is, is like, I want to be better, you know, it, whatever you're going through and, you know, with COVID or anything, it's like, I just want to grow as a human. <laughs> so that right. was a big part of it. So. All right. Let's hear from Brian. Brian. I'm a fellow bassist. Bassists don't get enough love. They stand in the back by the drummers, you know, <laughs> I'm like classic bassist too. Just like super chill. Chilling. Like, yeah. No like watching your facial expressions. You're just like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. What's yeah. I'll what's take a hit on that. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out. No, I'm actually, yeah. I'm like the piece of shit of the band. Like I secretly just like, keep it. <laughs> so before oh, we he, he, you got to speak for him. Um, <laughs> none, none of us really know much about his history. So we all just assume that um, every piece of gear that he showed up with, he stole. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, so we're really He's actually looking guy. forward to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I did not steal anything, though. So just so we're clear. So me and Kinsley have a mutual friend. Uh, his name is Danny. And uh, I met Danny. And at the time, I was going to barber school. And he's like, oh, man, I got to get you linked up with a buddy of mine. He owns a barber shop in Chicago. And I was like, yeah, no, that sounds lame. I don't want to do that at all. And uh, that was a joke, but either way, like we, <laughs> we ended up uh, kind of linking up and I got introduced to Nick and I was like, Hey man, I'm in school. Do you want to apprentice me for a little bit? And he was like, all right, I guess. And uh, you know, we clearly, you know, we're into the same music and all that stuff. Um, my background's always been kind of hardcore punk as well. And um, he was just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I got this band, but we need a bass player because uh, of the one we have isn't working out. And I play mediocre. Yeah, dude, I played mediocre guitar for, you know, ever. And I was never any good. And I was like, yeah, I could fucking play bass. It's fine. <laughs> and then, like, I completely learned it was a completely different instrument. And uh, Nick had played bass before he was playing guitar. So he was ridiculously good. And some of these songs were already written and these bass lines were insane. So I was like, shit, dude, I really have to get like good really fast if I want to do this. So uh, we went to the practice space. They played me a couple songs and immediately I was like, whoa, dude, uh, there's definitely something here. You guys are definitely onto something that is very special, very cool, very unique. Uh, you know. I hear it all the time. Like people are like, Oh, like, what do you, what do you, what do you guys sound like? And I'm just like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I was like, you know, like if there was like, if you were at a bar and a bar fight were to break out, we would be the band playing the soundtrack to that bar fight. Oh, that's cool. What, that's That's how I describe it. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Soundtrack to the brawl. No, Brian's a fucking incredible bass player. So like he, cool. he clearly was like, oh shit, I got to learn this stuff. Oh, I got to practice a lot. And Brian picked up on it like so well. He's such a fucking solid bass player now. It's awesome. But uh, yeah, man, uh, after they played me the songs, I was like, uh, yeah, dude, I'm for sure in. And uh, yeah, I, st <laughs> I stole the bass. And I signed the contract and here I am, man. And it's been an insane, insane, like, you know, experience yet. I love these guys like nothing else. Uh, these guys are my family and uh, dude, I wouldn't be anywhere else. This is for sure the band that I would only play for. And yeah, man. Yeah. Until they fire me. And then, <laughs> yeah. Like Brian's cool, I guess, you know? Yeah, I'm going I'm going country guys. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
started in 2019 and then kind of like ran right into COVID. What was the time of COVID like for you guys? Um, how, how did it impact you guys as a band and, you know, kind of help shape things for y'all? Uh, COVID was, I mean, as much as it sucked on every single aspect that of ever, but it was actually beneficial for us to write music because we had a lot of time to relearn our instruments and get better at them. And then, we tried our hardest to, to, to write songs over, you know, like Zoom and, and things like that. And the latency issue made it impossible. So we just started sending each other videos back and forth. And then right. we would be real sneaky and get to, me, me and Nick would get together like every so often when we thought we were safe. And we we're just like, dude, just for a couple hours, let's just play guitar. <laughs> um, and then eventually when things like chilled out a little bit and uh, I think it was like after like the first vaccination came out, then we were able to get back in our studio space and start rehearsing more often. And then it became like a more full-time thing, but COVID was, was allowed us to have like time to, you know, research more about like type of music that we wanted to play, um, find common influences and get to know each other as musicians because we all kind of had to learn to speak each other's language. Tommy has a little bit more of a formal background in music. Um, I have like somewhat. Kinsley has none. I don't know if Brian has any. Yeah. So we communicated with a lot of mouth noises. <laughs> um, a lot of like, go like this. And uh, I'll go like this. <laughs> and then once we learned how to talk to each other, like it was a little bit easier for us to write music. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for the most part, other than COVID being absolutely terrible for everything else for the band and just it actually like gave us time away from our adult lives to pay attention to it and put time into it because we're all in our 30s and I, yeah. yeah none of us Fox can live too. a lifestyle of mcdonald's every day for breakfast and lunch right so i mean it really was good for you guys to to gel then and you guys mentioned that you're able to get space during covid and actually start working together once everything kind of felt safe enough too um that probably really kind of helped gel things along too. Once you're able to get into a room, I, I just, a similar thing, you know, my band, we were basically like not able to work together at all for about 18 months. Um, after 
being on kind of a run for about four years. And then, yeah, once we were able to get back into a room, then everything just completely changed uh, just to get that sort of energy and that sense of camaraderie and, you know, the, the sort of chemistry back going again. Um, so uh, I guess my next question is if there's, if there's nothing else kind of to touch on with like your, your sort of COVID period um, was guilt sort of the thing that you guys ended up writing during that process or um, is guilt something else? Like, is that like a, a second release? Um, I saw that you had some other stuff you guys put out a little bit before that. I'm just curious kind of how, how guilt came about in terms of uh, as an album. Uh, well, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. Guilt was a, a COVID album. Um, okay. The songs that we do have out, like on Spotify and stuff, those are actually us learning how to record. Um, okay. COVID also allowed us the like the time to learn how to use the tools. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy has some experience with with DAWs, and uh, I have some experience with um, recording podcasts. Actually, so we tried to put our heads together and do what we can record what we could and we, we tried to like remotely send our music to people to try to mix it right Worked with an engineer she did um she did a great job uh for her style and what she does it just didn't really work with our music so we sent it out to the engineer that actually did guilt to remix he did a great job and those are the songs that you're hearing now and then we re-recorded those songs for this album because we really we're proud of those songs and we want them to be better represented versus just what we pulled off with the cheap, affordable microphones that we could get and uh, a Behringer, what, 16 input into a laptop. Um, but show me wrong, there's great albums they've been written on less. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but, for uh, sure. Right. But we, I mean, like for the type of music that we're playing, we really wanted somebody that could capture polish. the energy and right. the tones and understood like, like how to get Tommy's kicks to sound not like a cardboard box <laughs> yeah so that was um it was really nice to work with an engineer that understood what we were doing and we kind of figured out that he knew he got us when we sent him our terrible recordings and he turned them into what you guys hear now on spotify um, cool. but we're really excited for you to hear the updated version when guilt comes out because those songs are almost like different songs to us at this point all right cool so uh talking through guilt um it's your COVID album um, you're going to be releasing it and, um, you know, we've been playing through the tracks on the episode, uh, here. Um, do you guys want to talk through the tunes, kind of the, like any like, sort of background story behind each one? Um, if there's anything anecdotes or, you know, kind of what inspired each of the tunes. Yeah. Uh, actually that sounds a lot of, a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Let's start with progeny. Cool. Um, so I actually was thinking about this little bit of uh, trivia. The primary riff for the chorus was actually a riff that we ripped for the written for was one of the two songs that we wrote sitting on my couch in my apartment during COVID. Cool. And keep, me and Kinsley just liked it a lot. So we just kept it around. We tried fitting it into a couple other songs and it just worked the best in the progeny. But that was just a little bit of trivia. What's the song about? Um, so to you progeny. Guys. It's kind of funny, man. So Progeny actually is about like myself and my kids. Um, but the whole the whole song itself is really just this idea of like, you know, how people might see one individual versus what they're actually missing out on. And also a big part of it is like realizing your flaws as a as a human in not knowing for a long time, you know, it's these excuses that you constantly make over and over and over until you have this big moment of going, shit, <laughs> I'm an <laughs> adult, right. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's having for me, my children making me want to be, just be better, just be better for my friends and my family around me and be better for myself too. So, um, it's, you know, obviously I wrote it for my kids, but it's really more about um, um, this, this moment of like fighting through all this shit to like the chorus is, um, you know, about this positive thing of like, you know, how innocent somebody can be like my children to make somebody that's done a lot of terrible things in their life be better, you know? 
that's pretty profound, man. That's, that's really cool. Um, what about, uh, talking about dear evil, like what are, what are kind of, what's kind of the background story with that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's like, does not get easier with that. Dear <laughs> evil was a song I wrote about a, a, a certain individual that, that took advantage of people. I mean, we, we see it over and over and over um, when it comes to men in general, what they think that they have this power, this whatever, and they can get away with it over and over and it doesn't matter. And, you know, we're seeing it constantly right now where, you know, with yeah. cancel culture where it's like, you know, like it makes sense. Like, you know, I always say the thing like, you know, guys had their time, but it, in reality, it's like, it's about fucking time that you know, we're called out for our bullshit because we think that we're stronger. We have this power over individuals. So dear evil is about that's, and that's a, that's about a, just a piece of shit that thought that he could do whatever he wanted and get away with it. And, you know, the, I, I bring up a, a lot of religious things, um, which is, is funny too, because none of us are religious. So one of the lines is even the devil is in distress from urges acted on. It's like, you did something so fucking awful that if the devil actually existed, he'd be like, whoa, bro. I don't even know if I have a place for you, man. We got to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Most of the songs that are written and stuff, uh, you know, Kinsley throws on a lot of emotion. Yeah, and probably uses a lot of the things that he has uh, gone through and experienced for these lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I just feel lucky and blessed to just be able to have him be able to be so raw and exposed. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tell you this, though. Uh, Miller and I, for when we were writing Dear Evil, we were fucking jamming a lot of Thin Lizzy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like that, like main riff that kicks in is like, Dude, we were bumping Thin Lizzy nonstop. So it was like a total fucking, you know, moment of that. What's your guy's ultimate Thin Lizzy jam? I'm a huge fan, by the way. So oh. we, we could turn this into a sidebar conversation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of people like, I don't think there's a lot of love, no love, enough love in the world now for Thin Lizzy. I think they're yeah, yeah, I agree. as relevant as the Beatles, honestly. You think so, about yeah. like Thin Lizzy, it's weird that there's such an underrated band because, like, with yeah. Thin Lizzy, like, no maiden. I know this is people are going to be like, fuck that guy, but like, I just don't know if there would be a Metallica or maiden. You know, Thin yeah. Lizzy was a huge, right? Like, that was a huge inspiration for them. And it's like, if you threw some, yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Aerosmith Guns and Roses. Like, if you threw more distortion, more grit on their songs, those drums got heavier. Like, holy shit, man, they would be a heavy ass band. Yeah. And not to mention, like, those fucking bass lines that he is doing while he's singing. Like, yeah, they're they're counterpointing to a vocal line and also what the guitars are doing. It's not just he's not just playing the roots and just holding it down. That stuff moves. Yeah. Some, something else that's interesting is I feel like Dear Evil was the beginning of the downfall into more technical proggy riffs. Yeah, and that's where you came in. <laughs> that, well, that was when we I think we tried to fit in like a five four riff. Um, okay. Uh oh. Oh, it is five four. Well, that, that pray for me. Oh, yeah. pray for me. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, it, this is when we tried to fit in a five four, and we we all kind of like spent an hour working through it. Yeah. Remembered how much fun it is to write technical stuff when you get it right. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept throwing stuff in. And, and I think if you like, if you listen, if you were to like listen to that song in that kind of order, like if you listen to like Unholy into Creature Man and then to Dear Evil, you'll see the progression of our band slowly going from like party rock riffs right. to um, party Perfect. rock with technical leads and extra little like harmonies and stuff like that. And hearing the like giving drum breaks and vocal breaks and stuff like that. That was when we really started to dial in on like having fun and, and, and planting ear candy into the song. And being buddy, being able to at least throw a little bit of fun as a musician in a little bit, of, a little bit of chops, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely, man. I think I think it's it's been fun too, because like our our writing style is pretty interesting. Because like, you know, when Nick and I were like, all of us are writing, you know, we're getting inspiration from everything. But when Nick and I first started, I like, I was only listening to like any like late seventies to early eighties metal. Mm -hmm. But obviously, like my vocal melodies and stuff, that's my punk rock background, man. Yeah. Like, 
you know, like I, I didn't want to write melodies or things like that. One, I couldn't, I can't fucking sing like that. Right. Um, and two, I, I didn't want that. I, I wanted this punk rock fuck you attitude um, with these technical riffs. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. Um, and it's funny with Dear Evil. Dear Evil used to be my least favorite song. And when it came together with what Tommy was able to bring to it, what Brian was able to bring to what Nick and I were trying to do, it's yeah. one of my favorite songs we have now. Yeah. Uh, so the next tune, uh, Pray For Me. I, this is actually one of my favorite riffs of yours. I, I really dig this song a lot. Um, tell me about the background of it. Well, Pray For Me was interesting, dude, because yeah. it was that it, that song was written from... Miller had that that first riff that he wrote yeah. in the beginning and we sort of built off of that and the rest of the structure of the song was the bass. It was like, yeah. I think this was before Brian and I got on bass and just... Yeah, we wrote that as a three-piece. Yeah, we wrote a, we, yeah, that's right. We did a three-piece and Miller had that riff and then I started fucking getting weird with the bass and Tommy, it was actually, that was one of the most fun I've had writing because a lot of times, like, yeah, a lot of times, like, I'll show up and be like, here's all this I have. And then, you know, Nick and Tommy make it actually a song because I'm scatterbrained and crazy. Um, Pray <laughs> For Me, dude, was like, we yeah. fucking just sat there and just within this short amount of time wrote this song. And it is such a fucking fun song. Like, yeah. And uh, yeah, so. And at that time, I, I like always angry, pissed off. Yeah. Um, Pray for me was, is some of my favorite lyrics I've probably written. It's a, it's a big fuck you to religion. You know, it's a, it's a, it's more about the, you know, obviously it's not everyone in religion. I don't want to bash that, but it's, it's how hypocritical people can be. And I almost made it this like kind of tongue in cheek, like funny thing of like, the chorus is how about a round of applause? You think you're free. It's like, great fucking job. You did it right. I hope I can figure that out, you know? Um, so it was a lot of that. Cause I, I'm from Michigan. Nick is as well. Like I'm where are you guys from town. in Michigan? Miller side. Uh, I'm from a small town outside of Grand Rapids called Lowell, Michigan. And okay. Miller is from Ionia, which okay. is 10 minutes away. Cool. My mom's family's from the Gun Lake area. So I'm oh, dope. very familiar. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So right. Yep. It's we grew up in this small town and yeah. I fucking love this small town, but I dealt with bullshit, mm-hmm. conservative, religious assholes that were so mean. If you had any, even if you believed in the same thing, if it wasn't exactly what they thought it was, it was like, well, you know, sorry, you're yeah. fucked kind yeah. of. So I, at a young age for me, I saw that bullshit and yeah, I didn't want to be a part of it, man. It, it, it was heartbreaking. It's like you, you, you preach this thing of loving everyone and caring for one another. And all I see is this like hate and this anger Judgment. towards other people. It's, yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah. So pray for me was a big part of that. Like just my experience of, you know, these, these things and, you know, it was, a few individuals that really pissed me off going through some stuff that I was like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done with your, you know, your, your, this, this fake fault, you know, bullshit that, you know, they think that they, they have more power control over us. And it, it's just, yeah, I was done with it. So pray for me is like this thing where it's like, pray for me is like, please, I would love for you to pray for me to help me through to the other other side like come on go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah very cool uh yeah it it, it gets uh, the, the tunes get progressively like you guys were saying a bit more a little bit more complex and a little bit darker but like it really matches the vibe of what she, each of the tunes are too like you just kind of get a little bit more on a spiral with it so it's a cool progression um for from your single strategy standpoint um, does anybody else have anything they want to weigh in on with Pray For Me? Or do you guys want to uh, yeah, go into the real quick? Pray For Me sure. is actually the song that they played for me. And I was like, uh, I need to be part of this band. Cool. Um, also, I think, I think I don't know if we're going to make it very clear. Like, we're not 
satanic or anything like that <laughs> or not satanic but i i think i think what it is and it, and it kind of like, so past it, that man you know like i mean in chicago it just, it just goes yeah. like every with everything in this band dude even lowell michigan maybe not so much i think yeah i think that we've all have had our own individual experiences with man-made religion yeah that has made us feel less involved and more outcasted. And right. I think that's where that attitude and anger comes from. Yeah. I actually, and you know what, dude, I love, I love that Brian said. Can you man-made. get closer to the microphone? I, I want to teach my children. It's like, yeah. I never want to bash anybody's religion, but I, it's like this, this thing that was happening. And I told my son this, which is adorable. What he told me. Cause I said, Oliver, like men, wrote this because women weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to have this opportunity of these things. And it was really sad. And my, my oldest says to me, he goes, dad, I'm really upset right now. We need to go to the Bible factory and talk to them. (laughs) And I was like, right on bro. (laughs) Go speak to the manager. Right. (laughs) And I mean, like from a musical perspective, that was just, I think like a random me sitting there passing time kind of riff while we were waiting for Nick to show up. <laughs> and uh, Tommy starts putting drums to it and it winds up sounding cool. And then I was just like, all right, I don't want to play much more guitar in this song. So uh, Nick picked up bass. Right. And like you said, we wrote everything around that. I think, I think we spent the most amount of time trying to figure out how to write the breakdown and somehow we wound up writing a 5-4 breakdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Which is right. so fucking annoying to sing and play that riff. It's annoying and it sounds dope, but <laughs> god damn it, it irritates me. <laughs> yeah. Um, last track you have featured here is Lushed Up. It's another banger. I like this one a lot as well. Um, yeah, l- uh, Lushed Up, man. That's uh, That was my song of uh, Lushed Up and Ready to Fuck Up, man. Another like just kind of being silly about the idea of like getting drunk and fucking things up. Right. Uh, so that was my song of like what I was as this alcoholic or people can take it for what it is. It's, you know, I mean, the chorus is just trying to remember one night stands that I had and just being a slime ball, man. And, uh, that's where that song came out of. And it's funny too, because when we wrote that song, it was just like, it, it, it you know it's like i think miller was like i you know this simple thing and he's like i need I, you need i need we need something of this like remembering this thing of this you know how how can we simplify this repetitive thing over and over and i don't even remember where i was like saying lushed up and ready to fuck up but it worked and it was like kind of like laughable that but it's 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 highly entertaining <laughs> The other part about that that was really funny is I remember I, I wrote that riff on my couch. You learned it. Yeah. I forgot it. <laughs> you showed back up to practice and uh, tried to re-show it to me. And I looked at you like you're crazy. And you're like, you fucking wrote this. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say really fast with Miller too? Miller is fucking hilarious. Fucking stoner. He will write the dopest fucking riffs. My weird ass will remember them. I'll show up to practice and he'll be like, dude, that's fucking cool. And I'm like, oh my God, you fucking wrote that. And then he'll be like, yeah, that's why it's cool.
so you guys are doing a seven inch uh clear lath cut on square vinyl why why, why square vinyl what's with the square vinyl i'm just curious um because it's cheaper <laughs> okay well that's that's fair enough it reminds me of like when I was younger and I was coming up, like in some of the guitar magazines, they used to have these like flexi vinyls that were square that you could tear out of the magazine and like put on, like if you wanted to learn like somebody's guitar solo or whatever. And it just made me think of that. And I don't think I've seen a square vinyl since the eighties, you know? Um, so that's cool. Um, it's a kind of a, a nice way to do like, say you're putting out vinyl, but in, in a, a sort of a, more economical format just to get it going. Who who are you guys pressing that with? Just out of curiosity. Uh locked grooves. Okay. So it's um we we want so we really want to do vinyl in some sort of capacity. Right. And it's just impossible to do yeah anything with any sort of like record press because either they're booked up. Yeah. Or Kinsley, what are you doing? <laughs> either they're sorry, um either they're booked up or um they only do like minimals of like 500 or more. Right. So it's a, you have to lay out quite a bit of cash for that. Yep. Yeah. yeah and it's, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of cash up front and it's a big right. risk on, you know, like, are we going right. to just have like box of these in our, in our garage? Right. Um, so we really wanted to like do it in a way that was economical that we could miss, still make it cool. Yeah. Cause I just, last thing I want to do was just like super simple, basic, um like black seven inch vinyls and just have right. a thousand of them yeah so as i learned about lathe cutting and found out that there was like this kind of like cool underground yep. community of people that that do this like really old school way of putting music onto i mean i think plastic um the prices were good the people were cool it was very simplistic a little bit of like different mixing to make it sound better when it gets uh, cut onto it Right. And the turnaround time, depending on who you worked with, actually made sense. Yeah. Rather than it being like two and a half years. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and you're yeah, not you're you're not exaggerating. Kind of like worked right. with yeah. what they supplied. <laughs> yeah. They offered black square, black cut, uh, clear square, clear cut. I guess you know the the clear blanks are just a little bit more affordable and more available right now. Um, and I thought they were cool, so it was like kind of a no brainer for me to just be like, yeah, let's go with that let's go with that one. Very cool. So, yeah, we're going to do 40 of them. We're going to take 20 on tour with us, and then we're going to do 20 for the pre-order. And if they sell out, we'll, we'll definitely try to get more made. It'll like it'll be a good kind of litmus test to see if people care about having our yeah. vinyl. And it's a nice um, yeah, a nice way to do that, and it's kind of this limited edition special thing you're doing as a companion uh, merch piece, right? That's cool. And then, yeah, well, we'll go out. You have CD and cassette, which that's also surprising me. I always comment about this too. It's the guess is like how cassettes have kind of come back is almost like the sort of art piece. Now I mean, people actually listen to them too. Like you know, somebody who grew up with cassettes and I got a box of them um, from back in the day. And I don't, I, I wouldn't even, I don't, I, they would just probably just get chewed up, you know? Um, but it, people really seem to like cassettes now. And that, that's awesome. You guys are, are solid on both fronts with that. Um, really exciting thing though is um, you guys are doing a co- collaboration with Metal Monkey. Um, I love Dan and um, Jason, great guys to work with. Um, so tell me about the uh, the beer you guys have. Uh, yeah, they actually are really wonderful people, and yep. uh, they got a cool brewery with a cool stage, yep. and it's awesome they that do. they put on a lot of cool shows there. Yeah, they give a shit about working with bands. Yes, they do. Um, we hit him up, told him about the, the concept for guilt. Uh, yeah. we had a very interesting concept for how we want to sell the album and they, I kind of pitched it to him and they were on board for it. Yeah. So like, it's going to be kind of cool if everything works out right, which everything that I've tested so far, it all works. Every time that you buy a can of the beer, you'll be able to like tap your phone on it and get a copy of our album. Wow. So you'd be purchasing our album by purchasing beer. That, that's fantastic. Uh, and so that was kind of like I sent I feel bad because I sent him over probably like seven paragraphs trying to explain the whole concept to him. It took yeah. about four days and they're like, yeah, we talked about it for a minute and we're on board. This sounds cool. Yeah. And so that's great. We were like, all right, how do we make this economical for you? Because, I, you know, like we can we'll put all the work in, but we can't promise that we're going to sell a ton of your beer. 
Right. And they kind of gave us a really good option. And uh, we came up with like a pineapple habanero, which, you know, we're, we're thinking like a uh, pineapple habanero ghost. I yeah. I say that word right. Goza. 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 Uh, yep. Summertime, crushable, low, low ABV. So yeah. uh, it's going to come right out at the same time as the Dust Spiders Burger, which will be oh. like a week before the album drops. Yeah. So we're really excited about all of it. It's just going to be kind of cool to Is- see our album cover on like can art. Can people get the beer at Kuma's when you do your uh, burger release? Yes. So the, oh, the cool. burger release is August 6th. Um, okay. It's totally, this may be up after that. Um, okay. But that's okay. Totally fine. Yeah. But if it, if the burger comes out August 6th, then that'll all, we'll also throw a listening party that night and the beer will be available that night. And, Good. Uh, we're going to try to like, you know, throw down and have fun. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of sours, so that really kind of hits a note with me, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually going to be playing Metal Monkey myself in a few weeks, so um, I'm just, I'll just ask about that when I talk to those guys. Um, so that that's fantastic. That's cool you guys have that coordinated, and I'm also a fan of Kumas and what you guys have going on with that with um, your, your native regions of Michigan, North Carolina, and Puerto Rico. That's really cool with the plantains, Carolina barbecue ham. Uh, chopped. How do you say Montmorency cherries? Did I get that right? Um, I, I, Mont, Mont, Montmorency. I, 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 I can't say it either. Cherries. I, yeah, Just call them cherries. Yeah. <laughs> if I saw the, if I had the word in front of me, I might be able to pronounce it correctly, but I can't pull yeah. it from my memory. Yeah. Um. It, you know, very very fancy chefy stuff, but sounds cool with the cherries, the ham, plantains, and then a Parmesan crust. So that that's really really cool. Um, there's a concept. Seems like it has like a, a cool like tie to you guys personally as well with that. So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we weren't really sure how to go about it. Yeah, and that kind of just like was right. an idea that we threw out and it worked. Hey, let's have a burger with spicy shit on it, right? Yeah, um, but this, <laughs> <laughs> but this is cool. Yeah, um, so I'm definitely interested in that personally as well. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. I don't, I live very close to Kumas. So, um, and then you guys are going to be hitting the road, uh, pushing the album. So that's, that's exciting. Uh, going through kind of the, yeah, Brian. sure. I'll just quickly touch on the tour and then I can let Brian tell the story about the music video. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the, the tour, I mean, like it's kind of threefold for me, like one I'm going back on tour. I haven't been on tour. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's, and it's, it's, it's hard to tour right and looking now. like like five days like the fifth the fifth day it's looking like it could happen yeah. um for sure but yeah. we're still not just it's not just a weekender you know yeah um nope. it's also during covid yep. there's still like the weird feeling of trying to gather people out i still feel like i'm i'm contributing in some sort of negative way by trying to like gather lots of people but i still think it's an overall positive and that beats the the negative of the fear yeah um gas is outrageously expensive it, it so is that's the that's we, the main blocker right now right yeah we might go massively into debt just trying to <laughs> go yeah. to pittsburgh and back right um and then but at the same time we're gonna we're going back to all of our old stomping grounds so like i have like a lot of friends and i'm really excited to see a lot of people from like the pittsburgh and youngstown area um yeah. like you know we're both from michigan and uh my old band nick's old band we used to play grand rapids constantly yeah. Uh, so we have a ton of friends and family there that like I can't not only play in front of again, but just hang out and see, um, you know, it's kind of like an excuse to have a gathering. It's it's like why families have weddings. Um, we can force yeah. everybody to come out and support us. <laughs> right. Um, so but it's just going to be fun to do. I really I can't as you know, like in my 30s with all of my my best friends were you know, pile into a car and drive around and set up on stages and play for a bunch of people, sell some T-shirts, drink some beers and, you know, yeah. Do what it is that is so much fun about being in a band and uh, doing, trying to make that become a living. Um, yeah. Yeah. Part of that of, is trying to get attention and doing, getting attention is through filming music videos and by going yeah. out into open fields and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, having like, a, like the worst string of bad luck in one day that I've ever probably encountered. Um, we can, we can start with Brian's story and how he lost it. No, no, no. Him. You go first. Cause you, you've already opened the Pandora's box with your string of bad luck. Let's hear about the <laughs> string of bad luck. And then Brian can try to fix the story, I guess. Oh, um, well, I mean, it just started with like some, some bad weather. And of course, always. You're making a video. Out. 
Yeah, yeah, yep. of course. And right. we have one day to shoot it all outside. And we've just paid um, a couple hundred dollars in renting gear and a generator yeah. and yep. lights and all these other things. And um, Matt is being so gracious and nice to be doing this um, for next to nothing for us just because he was really intrigued by the concept of the video and he likes our music and he's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, so we basically we said, listen, if you shoot it and you edit it, we'll cover the cost of everything else. Um, yeah. We'll get all the extras. We'll get the location. We'll take care of the location. All everything that's needed. You just give us a list of what you, what you want. Yeah. Um, did that. Worked it all out. It was going to happen on Fourth of July, and then um, we find a space in Chicago that has grass <laughs> that we could have access to. Uh huh. Oh, sorry. sorry. Um. And yeah. so, and I know that's not easy either, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, not easy unless you want to uh, trespass. <laughs> and we were right. going to be on the property for way too long, so we couldn't trespass. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we get there, get everything set up. The sun is beautiful. It is everything is working well. They, they, we start setting up the gear. We're getting ready for the first shot, and yeah. clouds just start rolling over, and it starts to rain. Cover everything up. Radar looks like it's going to blow over. Cool. Blows over, sun comes back out, shoes looking beautiful. I, direct, Matt directs everybody. We all get out there. We start to set up and we're waiting for more extras to show up. So we have to let people in and out of a gate. And then that's when Brian went to go and let his friend into the gate. And then everything just continued to get worse after that. Okay. And there's your cue. And there's my cue. Uh, it's actually funny that we're actually hearing this out now because I've gotten tons, tons of uh, responses after we posted some videos or pictures of me after the video. Huh. So yeah, so like like Miller said, uh, we were very lucky uh, because of like the connections and the friendships that we've made. We've gotten like all these amazing opportunities that not many other bands wouldn't you know necessarily have and uh but yeah so we're at this amazing lot and there's this huge industrial fence that you have to kind of open with you have to open both sides to let cars in and stuff so we have extras coming in and out and uh we and, and mind you just the amount of work and grind that the that we all had to like do to get to this point right we're finally we're finally shooting and uh, my girlfriend uh, is one of the extras in <laughs> in the video, and she's like, "Hey, I'm here." So I like run to go open this gate, and I am not only just rushing because we're short on time. We've been backed up the entire time with the rain delay and everything like that. It's like, "Yo, we need to get this done before the sun is out." So I open both sides of the fence, let them in, and I'm rushing to close this gate. And this gate is massive. So first of all, shut up. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so this gate is, you know, this huge gate or whatever. One side has to, like a rod goes into the ground and then the other side, some weird latch thing has to like go. Of course. Like, it's, I don't know. And it's it never is, easy to close. It's, it's never easy. You know what? The, it, like right? this thing is yeah. from like, I don't know. 30 years in the, the olden future. times. Right. <laughs> and uh, anyways, so I'm trying to get this thing in and I can't because I'm freaking out because of the time. So I decide to, you know, use my brute strength and uh -oh. force this thing in as hard as I can. And it ended up slingshotting back and hitting me in the eyebrow. Oh, and no. It gashed. It gashed my, uh, my left eyebrow. And uh, I ended up walking back and they're immediately mad at me because they're like why the fuck are you putting fake blood yeah, like this yeah, isn't this isn't the concept of the video bro okay we're trying to go like yeah we're trying to go you know dark and death metal but uh i'm walking back with a bloody face <laughs> and they're just like oh no wait this is real <laughs> so everyone swarms me and uh, on top of like everything that we were going through and like just, you know, with the extras and everything and just how hard it was to get there, I ended up busting my eye and getting uh, five stitches and we had to cut the video short and we couldn't finish it because I had to go to the ER and get it, 
you know, get it stitched up. I wanted to keep going. And they were just like, uh, no, dude, dude you're, you're bleeding you're, too much. Like your eyeballs about to fall out of your socket. What are you doing? Oh, dear. No, it wasn't that bad, but <laughs> yeah. So we ended up, we ended up, we ended up going and taking me to the ER. I got stitched up and then, uh, yeah, we ended up doing the following so, week. No, no, oh, Brian, Brian's leaving out what all happened while he was gone. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but wait, so there's more. Only- yeah, not only did our uh, did we have a fallen soldier, we had a homie at the hospital um, during a music video shoot. Uh, <laughs> so we're all packed up. We um, managed like so we had to take multiple trips to ever deliver everything. We somehow managed to get everything into our cars to bring it back to our practice space. We go to leave. Um, our friend Frank, poor Frank, he came out to do behind the scenes stuff and and capture like extra footage. Right. Accidentally drives over this tiny little like down ramp. And his axle snaps off of his car. Oh, no. So at this point, he can't move his car. We're on private property that has, is behind a locked gate. So I, I couldn't, we couldn't like figure this out another day. Uh, so at this point, he has to call a tow truck. This is the 4th of July. There's seven tow trucks. Or there, I'm sorry, there's two tow trucks operating in the city at this point. Um, he has multiple cars ahead of him. And uh <laughs> we, we we were all packed up trying to leave and get out of there and at this point we're on private property and we can't get out of there because his car can't move so right nick's gonna go drop off his gear i'm gonna go help unload that once we get all of the gear unloaded we're gonna come back and wait with frank until he gets his car towed seems like a logical thing to do get in my car my car's dead huh. so i have to then jump my car um, I start to drive down the road. I get a phone call from uh, Nick's business partner, Nina. And she says, are you with Nick? I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to see him in 10 minutes. And she said, somebody just broke our storefront window out. Um, I think they threw a brick through it and robbed us. Um, this is for the barbershop that they co-own together. And uh, she's like, can you please get a hold of Nick and let him know? So <laughs> I have to now call him and let him know what's going on. And I go, <laughs> he's like, I've already unloaded all the gear. Um, I was like, cool. I'll see you later. Um, uh-huh. Get over there. We unload. Find out that yeah, his windows just smashed. They didn't steal anything. Lucky enough, they just smashed his window. Huh. And then I have to go and sit and wait for Frank. And yeah, I think he got his car towed around somewhere like twelve thirty in the morning. It was a wow. it was a very very long day yeah. uh, that was cut short. But that I think it also kind of like really motivated us because the next day we were all bound and determined to figure out how to, to finish the shoot. Yeah. And I spent a couple hours and worked on like some designs for a t-shirt. We threw it up as a pre-order. We had a ton of people that were really nice to, to, to help cover the costs that we had to re-spend because basically every, every dollar that we spent that day, we had to redo all over again, which we just didn't have when you start talking about launching an album and like the recording and engineering of it, trying to go on tour trying to live in this goddamn country as it is right now. <laughs> right. Um, so it was just without people caring about our music and wanting to see the music video come out and supporting us and buying t-shirts, uh, we probably wouldn't have been able to reshoot that day. Right. But we got it in the can. We, we knocked it all out on Sunday. We got like a bunch of awesome extra, extras that came out that turned into fucking stars of the music video. And it's... We're really excited to see how it comes out because Matt is extremely talented and he managed to somehow get the concept and take it and run with it. Very cool. That well, is the story a- is yeah. we had a good time. Watch the fucking video. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I think we can wrap. Um, uh, we're looking forward to seeing that and along with the release of your album and um, all the other Good things you guys have lined up for yourselves. It's, it's quite a, a tall stack of things you have coming up in the next few weeks. Um, so I uh, congratulate you guys on all your hard work and that a video story. Man, that, that's pretty harrowing. So I look forward to seeing that and, you know, good luck with the tour and we'll see you at Kuma's for sure. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with me and uh, good luck with the tour and the release for guilt and uh, your tasty burger and your guilt goes a beer. And uh, that, uh, Harrowing video for progeny. Take care, guys. Thank you. Seriously. And thank like this was an awesome conversation. So we appreciate you uh asking cool questions. And all right. Um, we'll see you. We'll see you at Kumas. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Take care. Adios, amigo. See ya. Bye-bye. If you liked what you heard from Dustbiters, check out dustbitersband.com for all the intel and info 
on their upcoming release uh, for Guilt, along with their tour plans and uh, merch, and also uh, information on their events that are going to be going on over the next few days. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out Kuma's Corner at West Loop this weekend for their burger and maybe cracking a can of that Gosa beer from our friends at Metal Monkey Brewery. Um, we're going to leave you with one more track tonight. This is Dear Evil off of the uh, Guilt album. This also dropped today. It should be on all the streaming platforms as well. And uh, as always, thanks so much for listening and be kind. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.